sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Hello and how's it? Welcome back to the show. This is Moving the Needle podcast. How exciting. When you listen to this, it is World Champs Week. Yes, you heard me correctly. Mountain Bike World Champs is happening in Leo Gang. Last week, the Crankworx World Tour was back. It was awesome to be part of the broadcast, working remotely, but nothing we can do about that. Well, this week, it's pretty fitting because I've got on none other than Loic Bruni at 26 years of age. He's already won four of the last five World Championship titles. Think about that. He's won the last three back-to-back. So it is awesome to get to know Loic some more, dig in. I tease him a little bit, even though it's not really fair. But he took a while to win the World Cup overall, considering he'd won all those world titles. But anyway, we dig into a lot of things. So guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. And I want to know... You want to hear some uh, post-race analysis? What do you think about breaking down world champs once it's done? Let me know about all those things. So, guys, enjoy this episode. Wait, 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 wait. Here we go. Here we go. There we go. Sorry, I had you in the wrong output. Though. I don't know how to say. That's uh, classic because you're not an expert in tech, as we've been speaking yeah, but about. I know, but now I have... Set it up a new device with my own thing, and I think it's going to work well. I'm happy. Nice. So you, yeah. you're getting more experience in the tech world. Well, thanks to you, yeah. Obviously, I'm happy. I was I'm think- learning every day. I was thinking, like, I was hoping to have some things in common with you, right? <laughs> and I had to think quite hard, but then I realized that we're both quite inexperienced with technology. <laughs> Yeah, we and can we, say we both suck, actually. And then we both suck at being a mechanic. Oh, yeah. And then I Big used time. to like to say that I I also haven't won a World Cup overall, and you hadn't won a World Cup overall, but then you've changed that. So I don't have that in common with yes. you anymore. I'm happy I changed that, man. I know. Are we starting the, the thing? I don't know. I like to not even tell people because we get some of this fun stuff of you just okay. being Lolo. Okay. Lolo, okay, no do you problem. Want, do you then want an go. official? You want an official introduction? No, no, no. It's all good. I think we should do one. I think you've earned it. Okay, then go for it, man. So, for the listeners at home, if you don't know who Luke Bruni is, I think you should put down this podcast, throw your phone in the toilet. At 26 years old, he's won four of the last five world championships. Yep, you heard that right. Three of those back to back. A man that rises to the big occasion, clearly, and I like to tease him a bit, but uh, at 26 years old, that's quite a resume, and last year, he did, I think, what was hurting him, and he won the World Cup overall. I know that's something you wanted to do, so welcome, Loic Bruni. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot for the good introduction. I like it. Oh, I think you've I think you've more than earned it, and I think you're quite the ambassador for the sport, so I'm sure we'll have some fun oh. catching up. Cheers. Cheers, man. So good. So, um, yeah, catch me up. Where, where's your head at right now? Where are you at? Um, we don't like to date these podcasts, but uh, it's post-lockdown for you. You're, you're getting out yeah. and doing some riding. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit like quite a, a while after lockdown, actually. We are 
going to race again real soon. So my head slowly starts to be back into racing and setting goals. It was really hard to to restart the engine, but finally feeling more confident and had some little injuries on the way to just after lockdown. Couldn't really remember how to ride a bike fast, so had some some crashes and stuff. And now now I'm excited to restart. It took a lot of time to re-motivate because being like ready before Lusa and having all the races cancelled, like everyone, I think every racer and every team got a lot of uh, disappointment. So it was it was tough, but now I'm finally ready. And, and you spoke outwardly how tough it was, and I think that's what sets you apart. You're happy to speak your mind, let people in. Do you yeah. do you think now, maybe with this time off, obviously last year was so stressful. Is there, in a weird way, maybe it was good that it was delayed? Because, I mean, you probably had a lot of stress to deal with after last season and a lot of, um, you know, everyone wants your time after you win the World Cup overall. Is there maybe a bit of yeah. a blessing to postpone the season? Yes and no. You know what? It was it was kind of tough in the winter. To I was enjoying a lot, uh, a really successful season, and I found it super hard to remotivate myself. I don't know if it. I don't want to sound like I'm not a motivated person or anything, but I just struggled so hard to get this overall, and I got it. And the season was just fulfilled with a lot of good results and stuff that I didn't really want to start over again. I was like, ah. Uh, let let the good times last a little bit longer. Then I tried to get ready, and we had a really good uh, winter. Even though my girlfriend, especially, she was always like, "Are you okay?" She was. She would feel I was a little bit not focused only on riding. I was focused on like a lot of other things, and she was surprised that I chilled on training and on other things. So when Luza got postponed and the other ones cancelled and stuff I was kind of uh, relieved I was like oh, a little bit more time to enjoy the 2019 pretty much and then I, I knew Amori and some other guys were really angry and hungry to to come and get me for this season so I was I was not scared but I knew I was uh, the guy with the target on, on the back so it was kind of a relief that I had more time to prepare and now I finally feel like I'm hungry again too. So it's really good. Well, it's good to hear. What is um what is enjoying yourself away from the bike look like, or or making the most of a lifelong dream of winning the World Cup? Yeah, well, I like with the girlfriend. We had some ups and downs last year and stuff. So I really wanted to reconnect with her because I was my head last season was just into racing, so I was not so nice with her and stuff. So Traveling with her, uh, being a little bit with my parents, uh, finding a, a place, a new place to stay because I really wanted to, to get that the year before. So I, I had things I really wanted to get done and I, I felt light. You know, my biking season was really good, so I felt light. I felt like I had time to do it, but then... I got a little bit trapped into something else than training and stuff. And I liked it a lot. So I was like, okay, okay. Now, like on some moments, I was like trying to refocus on what actually mattered, which was uh, riding and training. But uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was really hard to, to just want 
more, you know? Well, I mean, that's a question I have. Um, the listeners, uh, there's lots of guys that want to ask you questions. You're obviously at the top of the sport, so people all want to know what goes on in your head. And that's super interesting to me is, is I do want to get back to you kind of enjoying life away from racing. And, and to be as good as you, you have to focus every ounce of energy on racing. That's, that's a given. But I don't think the people at home understand that sacrifice. They just see the yeah. goods of you winning the title and spraying the champagne. But exactly. how, how does that like re-motivation look for you? How do you keep motivated when you've like won won so much more than anyone has won in the last 10 years you know no one has done the the double for over 10 years yeah that's, that's actually so cool but yeah what people don't know it's like we're all different all the riders and i'm someone that enjoys riding and kind of chill in life and reaching the the level my team brought me and my my work also my training brought me it was a lot of even though compared to cross country and road bike it might be not super tough even though i think from like for me I, I i have the feeling it's super tough like what i've been trying to do sacrifices like living for for racing pretty much it's been tiring a little bit so i really needed some some time of that and it was really good that i i got lucky because i won the overall for nothing so the season could have been totally different if I didn't win world champs and the overall. And finally, like lucky for me, I I clinched both on in two weeks, you know, in two weeks' time. So it was really, really cool. But I really, like on me, I'm, I'm not someone that works 100% all the time. So I really needed to, to breathe a little bit uh, after the season. And I just, yeah, people just see us ride three or four minutes and then they see some videos maybe but they don't see all the track work all the setups all the crashes we can have and how tired we can get to a race and then when all these races are um one after the other you just roasted and at the end of the year i was just done and it's not even a big racing calendar you know it's just compared to motocross and stuff we are we are kind of chilling but still on me it was i'm a little bit of a pussy so i was like Ugh. Give me some air. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's for the listener at home, uh, and and if they've done sport, I think they can understand it a bit, or maybe they're doing some big business deal. It's everything. It's like you wake up, you think about it. You train, you think about it. Before you go to exactly. sleep, you, you think about it, and you stress about it, or you're going testing. And I think if you're not able to switch off, yeah, it is draining. And and how could you switch off when you're in a title hunt? You love the big occasions of of those big races like like Mountain and 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 you've you've said that you were really you know struggling because you wanted to win the World Cup overall and win more World Cups, but then you also at the same time say, but you love that one big race. What is it about that one big race that you enjoy, you know, preparing for? I have the feeling that it's the whole concept of the one shot thing because you just show up to a location can be super steep technical and can be like cairns kind of flat with a lot of jumps and not super technical it can be like a lot of different type of tracks but you have to prepare and you can prepare for this kind of, uh, of race a lot before that that weekend and you just show up and there is no points no 
overall on that day you just have to ride the best you can and that's what I've always been struggling with World Cups that I always think too much I anticipate the next race and I try to manage my points and stuff and I always end up fucking it up but with World Champs I don't have to think about that so I just go there do my practice and really focus on going as as fast as I can even though Sometimes the the secret is to not push it too much, otherwise you blow it and you crash and stuff. It's to just ride the the perfect uh, combination of pace and commitment, but also not too much risk taking, otherwise you make mistakes. Like in Lentahide, it was super easy to make mistakes, and um, and I feel like it's uh, it's okay. It's a little bit it's a little bit uh, what I like about it the the one shot. Well, I mean that's that's incredible to be able to pair and, and your track record. She speaks so much to that four of the last five world champs. I don't even think when you were dreaming as a kid, you know, watching some of your idols that 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 would potentially happen. I mean, that has the likes of you know Nicholas Voyeurs was doing things like mm-hmm. that, and and that brings me to the resurgence of the French right now. I mean. The French were known for dominating that event. I think they did more preparation, people on the track than any other an other nation. Um, but what I like now is, you know, with you, Amory, I mean, Loris, it's so fun to watch because you guys have become mates as well as rivals. So there's that challenge for you guys. But you seem to be having a good time while being ultra-focused. Yeah, that's, I think... The, the generation of uh, my generation with Amory, Loris, and like all these guys coming in next is so different from Nicola and and Barrel. You know, it was it was really fast generation from like maybe the '96 to 2006 for these 10 years. The Frenchies were also pretty fast, and they had a lot of world titles and a lot of victories. But it was not at all the same spirit between the riders. It was kind of um, I don't I don't know if it's selfish, but really focused on themselves, and they were not sharing a lot, and they were not open to to the rest of the field, kind of. And that's why when I showed up, like Blinky and some other guys, they had a bad pre prejudgment on Frenchies. They're like, ah, fuck. If they all like Barrel and stuff, that it's not going to be so nice. But then I feel like the new, the young ones, we just brought something a little bit more fresh and a little bit more cozy and easy so we just came to the races tried to speak english with everyone even though we sucked at speaking english we had like little parties we would not even 18 and we'd get drunk with them and it was really fun and i feel like we totally changed the 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 image and stuff and the guys just after me like loris amori and stuff they really felt natural in that in that role of being a little bit more open to the world and then we were friends and we stayed friends so that was that was what helped us too we when we were struggling we were struggling together when one was succeeding he was telling us how he did it you know he was really sharing a lot of stuff and even though now i feel like it's not as easy as it was because we all like loris amori and i we are all in the top five and we can all win overall and it's really it's it's getting really tight, but we still share sometimes, and I think it's still uh, it's still really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that's helped you guys being friends, having that fun nature. And, and now it's the biggest challenge to still perform at the top and not share too much. But it seems like because of that, you've uplifted each other. So maybe mm -hmm. if you're able to find that balance is going to keep the French at the top of the sport. If you're able to say, say, Loris, maybe you're struggling with this. You know, he might beat you at a race or two, but overall it's going to lift your game, which it seemingly has. You know, yeah, for sure. Amory is riding, you know, out of his shoes on some of these tracks and you're able to decide when to attack and when to not, but he's still pushing your overall pace clearly, right? For sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. Last year it was it was the one forcing me to stay on top of my game and even though sometimes I will feel like I had him on a race, he will put up pull out a crazy like pace and and smoke me in finals when I I really thought I was gonna gonna get him and so I I had to be on on top of the game all the time and that's why I was super nervous coming into the next race the last race sorry because I was I knew I was feeling good I just won worlds but I knew he was capable of everything so it was never uh, a thing where I, I I my confidence was never optimum I was always it would put me into doubt so much that on the last race it was unbearable i was like fuck how am i gonna do this how am i gonna go fast so i just didn't ride so well and he actually made some mistakes too because it's not only one way i'm also putting some pressure on him because he has to excel if he wants to get the overall so it was it was really cool and we were both on i think reaching our peak i've never i've never been so good and i think amory either no, and, and you spoke about it like it could have gone either way. And and speak a bit about that confidence. You've you've mentioned sometimes, which was super interesting because I've been around you and you come across with a uh, air of confidence, but humble confidence, not like some other riders where it's, you know, it's a little bit <laughs> aggressive, the confidence or a little bit vain. But you're yeah. saying internally, sometimes you don't feel confident, you doubt yourself. Do you think that actually keeps you hungry and drives you and, and makes you almost hyper-focused and not not just assume you're going to do well? You're like not even sure you will, so you're like really focused? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The few times I have felt too confident, I blew it. So I need a little bit of kick in the ass, you know, like to remember how how hard it is and how... Like details are important, and every time I show up to a race, I I don't feel so good. I'm always nervous, and I'm like asking myself a lot of questions. But the good thing last year it was that I was able to answer these questions really quick and get into final day with a lot of uh, build-up. So I was able to. It was not a fast run. Just like that. It was something really built up with me and the mechanic and we just nothing was left on the side. We were we were working on every aspect of the bike, of the track and and it was yeah, it it was almost like I cannot say that because it's never impossible, but it was not possible to crash or to mess it up because we were so well prepared for it that it was it was almost easy to do a to do a good result. Yeah, it sounds like you really are meticulous about the preparation and you've been testing, which I want to ask about. So you use the preparation and your process to get confidence by the final. You yeah. might not be very confident if someone said do a fast run on day one. You say, well, I'm not quite there yet. You know, we have a process mm. to get yeah, to the sure. final run. And then, then you're quite 
in a weird way relaxed because you've done everything you could. Yeah, you've been there sometimes in time training, right? There are some guys, you're like, whoa, how, how can they go so fast already? But then they reach the speed uh, from day one and they struggle to go further on day two and three. So it's it's important to stay in your own like in your own zone and not try to go as fast as Danny Hart on the first day or these kind of guys. They're just unreal. They can go fast from run three. They almost have race pace. So I need to, yeah, I need to, I don't remember the question exactly. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. You, you spoke into it. I was saying you, you use your preparation to I, gain that confidence and oh, yeah, yeah. by finals. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And for example, last year I, I, crashed in Fort William and I was a little bit uh, scared in Leo Gang so I was not riding super well and I, we still did everything we could to, to feel perfect on, on the last day but in qualities I got 11th with a good run so I was like wow big uh, questioning I was like what the fuck am I doing it's too, it's too hard to go I was 4 seconds off I think and I was not understanding where I could gain this 4 seconds so I struggled all the way until the last run. And then I showed up to the gate and I was like, okay, do what, like I, I had my plan and do it as good as you can and salvage the points. And then I ended up winning it. So it was a really good run. And I don't know, sometimes things just click. So if I didn't have build up as well the weekend with the guys on the track, with my mechanic and stuff, maybe I would not have been able to do that. So it's, uh, it's a long uh, and tough build up but when you're able to to get it it's it's really cool because because the runs are are great you know yeah i think this is fascinating um you know obviously i raced with you and against you and and you never know what your competitor is thinking or challenges he's going through and you've been quoted at snowshoeing saying like you had a horrible practice you were so you were mm -hmm. so much doubt and then you said to yourself you know what just focus on yourself and and you were quoted to say do loik and is that something that you can speak to or help us understand when you have those doubts and like you know even the guy that can win world champ so many times or world cups has doubts yeah yeah for sure sometimes in everything it can be with your girlfriend with your i don't know your office work and nothing is going the way you want and and you just feel like you you're starting to act or to do something that doesn't feel like you or doesn't feel right. So you just have to sit down, breathe a little bit, and refocus on what you are able to do and what you are. And I think when that's what my team and my dad also told me a lot. Sometimes my dad, he would, he would scream at me because I was doing retarded things. He was like, what the fuck are you doing when I was young? And then yeah. the thing that came out of this, he was like, just stop doing things like you don't want or you don't feel just do what you know and do what you want and sometimes you just remember that with your girlfriend you don't have to be the most romantic guy you have to be yourself or whatever and then when on the, I'm on the bike I just have to get on the start gate and then ride the way I want and it doesn't I don't have to take the best line on this rock garden or to to have the best tire choice or whatever I just have to put my head down and go as fast as I can, the way I want, the pedal stroke there and there that I want, and the jump, if I want to do a big gangzi on it, I do a big gangzi, and then at the end of the day, I'm going to be happy, and that's also working for results, because when you ride like that, 
it's when when you're in the in the zone kind of and i think it's it's really cool to be like this is that what has changed that mindset you have spoken about you have a mental coach but that consistency is that what has helped you know the experience and just focusing on yourself more yeah yeah for sure i used to listen a lot to you know like Sven or these guys on the side they're like oh man you look so fast today <laughs> but it's so difficult I'm, not to like hearing that you know like yeah it's for so sure difficult. But, then, but then these people on the side or you know they 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 have their own opinion and they it's not a fact and i and now i like to stick to facts so when someone comes to me and say oh Amori was so much faster than you here and i don't have a video that shows that he was way faster and i don't have someone that i trust that tells me that i don't believe it anymore i'm like okay cool and i go and i do my own thing until someone actually show me something factual and i okay where can i win like point two on this section because i'm always actually smoking me there you know and when i was a kid i was just my confidence was just a, um, a pinball a pinball like my yeah. blanky will tell me something that will boost my confidence and the the hour after it will tell me something else that will kill my confidence just because it was it was i was not so sure about myself i would listen to everything people would say about me and now i just don't give a fuck anymore I think that's a sign of, of maturing and coming of age. I mean, I remember as well, you look at certain things. You, I mean, I was riding against Sam Hill in the era where you had to do all these insides. And yeah, I'm telling you right. now, if you did the inside and then you did the outside, you can't do the inside. His, yeah. his lines, his so, so yeah, for the listener at home, Sam Hill, obviously you guys know about him. Like his lines weren't even factually faster. He was just able to do them so fast that everyone went to those lines. But it was like, you have to focus on yourself at the end of the day because I can't even ride the line consistently, let alone quick. You know, so yeah. that's awesome that you're you you're able to be aware of that. And and I think that shows a lot of maturity. Maturity, and you're only twenty six years old. Well, I don't know, but like you say, some guys that just have they're really successful like Sam Hill and you're on the side of the track and you if you try to do like him and not like you then you start to get lost and you're just wasting time there and there and is playing with your head without even you knowing it you know yeah and I mean so, some people back then put flat pedals on their bike because he was winning with flats you know exactly <laughs> I was the same man at the first so my first year in junior I was big fan of Blinky, and every time it was raining, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride with like Blinky flat pedals. And every time it would rain, I would be so bad, even worse <laughs> than I am, actually am, because I just wanted to ride like Blinky flat pedals, and I wanted to be accepted, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's cool, he's riding flat sometimes. But I was so bad, and then I, I started to stop riding and making bad decisions like that, and it was actually helpful. I was like, okay, like, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome to hear a champion like you be able to tease himself and I think that's what the French are able to do they like don't take themselves too seriously but at the same time you know they're they're doing so well at the racing so it's it's really cool to see did you did you look up to Volios when you were younger like is that someone well, he, you because he was in the he was sponsored by Lapierre at the same time as you did you get to ride with him much well Nico was really successful just before I actually started to understand TV and watching videos and stuff because I was I think I was six or seven when he stopped his career 
So the guy I was actually looking up to when I started to get interested into downhill was Varel because he was from the area. He was really successful in 04, 05, you know. And Nico, I, I got into him later when I was starting with Lapierre because he was Lapierre and he was uh, involved in the development and stuff. And then I understood who he was and his style was still crazy and super fast. But Fabian was definitely the guy that I looked up to as he was at the local races, national races, and I would go to these races and see him and, and know at the world, world champs he would win. I was like, wow, this guy's good. And he was living maybe 30 minutes from where I'm from. So I was really into him until I started to watch World Cup videos when I was maybe 10 and, and discovered Sam Hill, Blinky, all like all you guys, like the, the English, uh, not culture, but the English guys, I would say, like, in, like Steve Pitt. And it was so different. Like it, didn't, it felt way more like I wanted to be. Like, riding super fast and just loving it, chilling after the race all together. And I, it was a little bit less serious than what Fabian was uh, doing. So a mix of that, of these two things, I, I just loved it. And I think that's what built me. A little bit of both. A little bit of chill and a little bit of hard work. Yeah, but I mean, you have been pretty good at your, your like work-life riding balance. Like you said, you need to take some time away. And then for the listener at home, they might not know. I mean, you carried on studying through some of your your huge race results. You've done internships at 100% yeah. specialized. Talk to a little bit that you didn't just take a paycheck and sit at home in the off season. Sometimes you'd go out to California and, you know, actually yeah. go into the office. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was junior and stuff, I didn't earn any money. It was, it was the start. You know, there was not even a junior category yet and... And I was doing it for the love, you know, and I was still in high school. So I didn't know it was possible to make good money. Then I started in elite first year and I, I would uh, enter at the university. And I really liked to have my girlfriend at the time was uh, like a normal girl, you know, like a school girl. So I would like to have these both things in my head. So I would come back to, to Nice, my hometown and and disconnect a little bit the bicycle uh, thing and and get into social life a little bit more because I'm not so social, but have like a normal life, see some friends at school and do something else. I would keep me really balanced until I actually started to ride really well. And I got some, like Laurent really tried to push me contract-wise and budget-wise, and I was like, okay, I can make some good money here. So... I kept going for a little bit, then I went to the internships when I was maybe, what, 22? And then getting to the internships, I was working a little bit at the office and then going with the guys to ride and training a lot and traveling a little bit in the U.S. I was like, fuck, this is so good. Then I had to go back to school for my last year, actually, for my last year of master's. I don't know how to say in English. Maybe it's the same. No, masters, yeah. You can say masters, yeah. Okay. It's bachelor's, masters, just, yeah. Yeah, so I had my degree and then I started that and I couldn't finish it. I was like, fuck, the pro-life when you're traveling and riding with people and just doing bikes only, it's so good. And then I met my girlfriend who was actually a biker, like a pro cross-country girl. So I was like, okay, I'd rather stop studying 
for a little bit, enjoy this life because I have the opportunity to do it and then we'll see later. And yeah, I think it kept me really focused on, on what I was doing at, on the bike because when I was training and stuff, I didn't have much time for it. I was doing it super well. But then when I switched, I really started to enjoy more the life and it was so good. Okay. What's, but then what's the worst part of the job then? Of this new, like, Loic Bruni, four-time world champion as an elite, earning good money, has houses in Dandora. You know, like, I, I know you appreciate the lifestyle a lot and enjoy it. Of course yeah. you would. But, I mean, what, what would you say is the worst part of it? There is always uh, a good side and a bad side for everything. So, earning good money is really good, but then the French tax police is coming after me now. <laughs> so, so, you always have things like this, you know, and... Um, for example, it's really good to be successful, but then people, there's two bad, bad, um, side of that being successful is that people now expect you to be successful and it's normal to win races while it's super hard. And some other people, they don't like you to win anymore because it's boring. You know, they're like, ah, fuck this guy again, wins world champ. Come on, man. Let someone else win. So, and I've I've been like that for Scherter, for example. When he's winning so much, I'm like, come on, dude, isn't it someone else able to win? Uh, it, you know, it's getting a little bit annoying. <laughs> so that's that's a little bit hard. And for sure, the worst part is hospitals. Like when you crash and you have pain and you and you have injuries and you just realize your preparation is getting affected and you're at the hospital and it sucks. Like this is the the, the, the few bad points but all the rest is cool and even when it's hard to go training and stuff it's it's still really satisfying to come home and feel strong and and I like it and what is that expectation like you spoke about that because people are yeah they're it's not fair but they're expecting you to win more now you can you've done it once you must do it again like that yeah. that must be tough getting to a race and you know like second or third is a failure i mean in what world do we live in i mean that's an incredible result mm. you can't win them all yeah exactly and for me i'm someone i'm not satisfied with the podium but sometimes depending on how hard the weekend can be i'm super happy with the fourth place for example but people they just think it's easy and when they've seen you win once it's natural that you can win again and it's it's not actually the sponsors that are tough on this it's not the team manager or anything it's the, just the people ah oh, you got sick oh what happened you know <laughs> yeah like, you, yeah what happened dude, i had my best race run of the weekend and yeah just i don't know minar or Gwyn was better today and that's it and people are just and it pisses you off because you are not feeling like people are it's not that they need to be grateful or i don't know like appreciate your results but you feel like they don't see how how good you were today and and i'm not doing it for for the people and for their approbation but it's still like whoa okay it's it's really a life where you have the winner and the rest and sometimes it's a little bit tough because you are you're working hard and you're getting podiums and people don't even remember that so it's 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 cruel cruel it is a cruel world. I mean, if you think about the sport, downhill mountain biking or, you know, all these sports where you've got one chance. So you've got one chance to lay down your best run. And, and often you can do your best run, but someone else has a chance to do their best run and the course might suit them better or they might get it that inch perfect. And we're talking about milliseconds here that 
is between mm. first and second or first and fifth. And then it's someone crazy. says to you, oh, second, well, you know, what happened? Did you have a mistake in your run? And it's like, well, I've got one chance and, and Gwyn had a good run or Greg had a good run. I mean, it's, I think it's yeah, human exactly. nature. People like to build up the people, build you up as a champion. And then they're quick to say, okay, well, let's tear him down. It's boring if he wins. We want someone new. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's when, like, I was like that before. And now that I understand how hard it is to win and to do it again, I've totally changed my mind and I understand some people who are not so much into racing or who don't train so hard or whatever. It's normal to think like this. Okay, like this guy should stop winning. He's winning too much. Or, oh, this guy won last week and why is he third this week? And it's not bad and doesn't slow me down in my in my life or in my career. But sometimes it's just like, come on, dude, give me a little bit of credit. It's, it's hard. Like when I got... Honestly, Snowshoe was the best race in a while, and but people were like, I was, I got mad at some point, like not mad. I wouldn't say anything to people who were talking about it, but I, in my inside, I was like, come on, shut the fuck up, bitches. <laughs> because, well, what, what was happening? Were they no, asking? Be, no, yeah. because they were all like, oh, you, you must be so friends with with Danny Hart. You must be, you must thank him so much. Yeah, yeah, okay, I thank Danny Hart, but if I would suck, I would have got fifth or sixth, and Danny would not even have mattered. I still got a really good run. I got fourth on a weekend that was not easy to ride fast. And if I didn't get fourth, I would have lost the overall too. Like, they don't think about my run. They only think about Danny winning. You know what I mean? I, I was thinking that as well. I mean, I've got, I've got a question about that. Um, but to that point, you put yourself in the position with all that pressure. You had a bad morning practice. You got back. And you did your good run, and you did you you the one that won that race. Yes, because of Danny, if he didn't exist or whatever, he made mistakes. Yes, the overall could be different, but Amari put down a great run. Then you had to come and deliver, and you did deliver enough to win that championship. So that's yeah, that's, that's key. That's, hey, they're like, oh, if it wasn't for Danny, you wouldn't have won. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> Was Danny the one getting your results throughout the whole year? You know, that's what I sometimes I'm. Um... That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a little bit like when you listen to people, you just get tired. It's like going to ping bike and to the comment section. You're like, come on, what's <laughs> happening there? But oh yeah, my Danny, goodness. Danny had the insane run. He won the race, obviously. So congrats to him. And okay, I can thank him because if he would have made a mistake and finished second, then I would have lost overall. But then Danny did his race. He didn't do it for me. He didn't do it for Amori. He did it for him. And I did it for myself, and Amori did his best run. He got second, I got fourth. So it's the way it is, you know. And and I, of course, if Danny would have got second or third and me fourth, then it would have been different. But I just want sometimes a little bit of credit for being in the mix and not letting grow or crashing or, uh, you know. Uh, that's I have to laugh at that, that, at, that people sometimes don't look at the bigger picture here and, and say maybe see the emotions from your side, but I guess they're not thinking like that. You know, I mean, you deserve all the credit in the world. You got through Fort William, huge crash. You went back, you know, you went toe for toe with Amir Peron to get you to that point. That's crazy. But I did have a question, though. Besides cut, um, thanking Danny, did you cut him a bit of your, you know, a bit of a commission from your bonus check? <laughs> no, no, no. I sent him a... A good wedding present. Oh, nice! He was getting, ma he was getting married, uh, I think, in November or October. Okay, so thank you and a wedding present at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was actually, since then, we are actually closer because I feel like he appreciated that and he, I feel like he knew he could win again. So he got relaxed for the off season. And I think getting married, having the kid, it was, Danny has always been cool. I think you've been timid with him actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got to know Danny very well, and sometimes people don't understand him exactly. or, or see what he's about. Yeah, you you must know he's a really cool and funny dude and stuff, and people not, don't always see that because they see what they have on screen. But he's actually super nice, and I've been more than happy to get closer to him. And I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's a good dude. Yeah, that's the cool thing we spoke about on the podcast with, with Danny and I was teammates. And I think it comes with age, I think with experience. And now you're going to see it even more that he has a kid. I think he's going to understand like the whole view of riding and life. And the mm-hmm. cool thing with Downhill is the, oh, there are rivalries, but fair is fair. You go down the track on your own. You know, you've only got yourself to blame if you have a good race or not. Or if you get beat, they just had a better race. You know, it's not because they're a bad person, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's not someone else. Uh like messing up with urine or anything. Like sometimes on other sports like football or whatever, if someone else is really aggressive and try to like make a lot of uh, fools, then it's someone is trying to put sticks in your wheels. When in downhill, no one does that. You're the only one that can do it. Yeah, I mean, the most people can do is play a bit of head games. But as you've been saying, yeah. you've been working on not letting like outside influences get into your your uh, team or mind one of the south african guys loving the mind games you know <laughs> <laughs> the one well there's not many left because i'm sitting at home so you must be speaking about what greg yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah greg is like that and that's why i think that's what is getting his legacy i would say from the older generation when it was a thing trying to mess up with people's head and stuff and you cannot blame him for that but sometimes you're like now that we, I know the, the the artist, I would say, it's, yeah. it's it's funny, you know? It's pretty funny. And sometimes I try to do the same. Yeah, I think some of it he likes to play and poke fun, but then sometimes, like you say, maybe from back in the day, subconsciously, there's a bit of, like, teasing, but, you know, if you take it too personally, it'll be like a head game. So, yeah, that is pretty <laughs> funny to hear. And for the for the listeners at home, yeah, I mean, it's... It's, there's definitely some of that going on in the pits, um, the top of the hill. If you ask the right question or the wrong question at the right time, you know, that can derail exactly. a rider. So that's quite interesting. Exactly. You know, like some, some people say, oh, you're going to ride that tire today, you know, like in a, in a weird way. It's like, yeah, it's on my bike. Of course I'm going to ride it. Exactly. Or they like come and they say, oh, did you hear about that turn? It apparently it's blown up. Uh, you know, like shit like that, that. If you're not fully, fully confident or whatever, you're like, oh, shit. And you think about it and you get into the turn and you'll fuck it up because <laughs> you heard it. But now it's funny because you can see this sometimes transcript a little bit to Instagram. You know, like the little pics we send to each other. It's pretty funny. And Greg is always in, in that, in the stories like this. Yeah, I think it's pretty fun. I guess it builds yeah. builds some of the story and, and, and a little bit for us at home to see, okay, what's going on? Oh, he's... You know, some people are very confident on the Instagram. And if you were scrolling through, you know, you're like, what do you mean you're feeling good? Like, I'm feeling good. You know, you can really let outside influences. What is, what's social media like to you these days? You know, what's your view on yeah. that? Well, I used to not like it so much. A little bit like e-bikes. I was like, ah, 
it's not so so smart, such a good thing. But then it got really important for sponsors and people really like to to feel closer to the athletes, I think. So I try to play to play the game. So put some stuff and try to be a little bit active on it. And I actually have a friend of mine helping me on on trying to make it look good. And I think it's cool for most of the things, like trying to put some some cool videos of you riding a new track or whatever. But you can also, like sometimes my friend who's helping me is, is wants to put random videos on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, no, this is shit. I don't want to put low, like just to put a video on YouTube. I just want interesting things and cool things. And that's what sometimes on Instagram you see boring stuff. I like to see a little bit more interesting videos or insights or, you know. But at the same time, I'm not so good at sharing my 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 stuff. I like to stay cannot mysterious, but to stay intimate with my with me. So it's hard. It must be a challenge, you know. And you're in the public eye of the sport. You're a big icon, but you have a private life, and some of that you want to keep private. Otherwise, just everything is open, and everyone's there to judge almost. Yeah, and then. The girlfriend, she loves Instagram, you know, and she loves to share a lot of things and stuff. And if I would do the same, I feel like it would be, we wouldn't, ha- we wouldn't have any secrets for anyone. We will just you know, tell everyone what we are doing, where we are, how good this restaurant was. I don't know. I, I don't want to be too much of a, an influencer, you know, sharing life and sharing new things. Yeah, and it's so tough because the fan like wants to be part of it, wants to know what you eat to go so fast, even though it's obviously not really about that. Except you have to you have to be healthy. Yeah, it's what a what a tough challenge it is. I mean, that's I think that's another negative of the job is is everyone wanting to know every little last detail of you. You know, privacy is almost gone. Yeah, and I I like to have people coming to me on the bike park and oh yeah, your last video was cool or whatever. But at the same time, some you get to a bike park, and then sometimes you just cannot do one run alone, and you know, chill or do like some work because people want to follow you, and uh, they're everywhere and at the lift. And sometimes you just, so that's what I miss. Sometimes is to be more uh, anonymous and and not always being seen. So I have to be smiley, you know. I, you know, I I try to be as as much as I can myself, but sometimes. I'm having a bad day at the races or at the bike park. I crashed in Liogang uh, when there was the Fox thing. And there's so much people, so you have to act like you're all cool. Like, But I was so pissed. And sometimes it's like, ah, exhausting. You just want to be like, tell fuck off to to the guy, the lift guy who doesn't want to take your bike. I don't know. like, And and it's hard to be, to be, uh, to, yeah, to have to be cool all the time. Yeah, I think it's, it's super interesting. They speak about it all these great sportsmen, you know, Tiger Woods that fell from grace a bit. And it's like they chose to be a pro sportsman. And with that comes like you're forced to be a role model, but it's not what you chose or you've been trained to be. So you have to kind of learn it. And and then to be at the top of the sport, you've got to be selfish and just think about yourself to be not selfish, but, you know, like ultra focused, you know. Now you've got to yeah. be a role model. Now you've got to be friendly all the time. And like, dude, inside you're just super nervous you're stressed you know and people act differently when they're stressed yeah yeah and i'm i'm someone a little bit shy and not super easy to to speak like i'm not i'm not super what's the name extrovert 
extrovert. Yeah, extrovert. Dude, your English is... You were saying, oh, you learned to speak English, you're not good. Your English is great. I mean, my French, I have two <laughs> and a half you. words, so... Uh, yeah. You'll get there soon, <laughs> I hope. But no, sometimes when you're not extrovert and stuff, like, I'm a little bit of both because I like sometimes to make videos and to speak and stuff, but... For example, during confinement, I was alone at my house and I was with my phone and I would do some fucked up things like you would not expect me to do maybe. And I felt like I felt good doing them because there was no one and I, I didn't care so much about who was going to watch and stuff. And I loved it. But then when there's so much people and you have like, and you know, some people are criticizing and stuff, I just start to lose my... Um, my confidence and my cold blood and I'm like, oh yeah. And sometimes you get caught into like, you want to be yourself and stuff and people still talk shit about it and stuff. And you're like, and I get super quick over it. I'm like, come on, dude, like let it go. And, and at the end of the day, I like to focus on riding my bike, trying to win some races and be happy. And that's the most important. Fuck Instagram, fuck what you see there. Sometimes it's cool to put a, a, a whip. For example, I, if I do a cool whip for once in my life, I'm I happy to share say, it. I was going to say, can you whip? <laughs> nope. No, no, no. But sometimes I can have the, depending on the angle it's filmed, I can, it can look okay. But yeah, angle and slow-mo. That's what I use these days. Yeah, exactly. And see, for example, yeah, you do some really good videos now. And I think you, you've, now you are seeing the other side of like writing. You have the video and stuff, and it's also super hard. Because you have to be exposing yourself on videos and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, we don't want to get into that. This podcast is about you. Yeah, no, it's a challenge these days with social media and keeping up with the Joneses. I like to keep, you know, with the likes and the shares. and the, Yeah, exactly. And we just want to, we, we got to where we are because we liked riding our bike. And what was that like, you know, coming back? You said you crashed a lot because you were thinking you were still fast after lockdown and you needed to be patient. But riding your bike maybe away from all the testing you normally do. I mean, people have spoke about all your relentless testing and how dedicated you are. I don't think we need to dig into that. But what about riding your bike maybe just for yourself and away from like a goal of a race or something? Was that fun for you again? Yeah, for sure. That's what I've been enjoying a lot the last few weeks. Just going out and even it can be on the downhill bike or on, on the motor or road bike. And you don't think about what's coming next, like what important goal is coming. You just go and have fun. Don't think about trying to push this section or not. You just ride the way you want with your friends. And it's fun. It's the most fun uh, you can do, like going just for for the ride. And the last few years, and, you know, when Laurent and the team manager just put me, like, kind of the head of the team when Blinky left and stuff, it was Finn and Loris, and they were young, and I, and I had to develop the bikes and stuff, and I was like, okay, okay. So I had a lot of work came, and I was happy to do it, but it's work, it, and it, feel, it feels more and more like work, and riding for, not for the team or for performance, just for myself, is also so much what I, what I like. So it's been so good, this confinement thing, but at the same time, I was sometimes less focused, and riding on a really like riding fast, a little bit less focused on on the performance or the warm up or the bike settings and stuff. I ended up crashing pretty pretty good. So you have to be careful, <laughs> obviously. 
Loic, you've been so good with your time, and I know you're at an event and you've got to get to some training and riding. If I can just go through maybe a few listener questions, there were really a lot of them yeah. and some really good ones. So I think that'll be nice to give back to to some of these guys that took the go effort. For it. We've spoken a bit about it, but one guy asked, "What drives you to keep working when you have now won everything?" From Goncalo on Instagram. Well, yeah, now that I've I've won the overall too, it's uh. It's a new page, I would say. I've I've won what there is to win, but I really I really like to to be developing bikes and to always try to find the the fastest version of my bike and to win. I I like to be to leave a weekend. For example, if I this weekend I leave and I'm I win the race, which is not going to be easy at all because the Frenchies are sending it. I have a good feeling. It makes me feel satisfied. And this is what I'm still uh, not craving for, but looking for is to, to be to be at the top of my sport for some more years. I don't know exactly if I will be like Greg Mina and go until I'm 40 or whatever. But I really like to be on top of, some, of something and, and be in the mix and racing and being being fast and beating some guys. It makes me so happy. So... That's what motivates me, and I don't want to think about overall or anything right now because anyway, this season is a little bit uh, amputated. Amputated? I don't know. Uh, I want to. I want to have fun and to win races more. And awesome. I don't want to. I don't want to go to Nico's. Some people are like, ah, now you want to go and beat Nico's record with seven elite titles. I'm like, no, no, no. Nico is where he is, and I will see where I'm at when I'm ending my career. But I just want to be be fast for for more seasons and and see and see at the end like okay I don't want to regret anything so so far I want to race more that's that's great to hear man and and no wonder you're still motivated uh here's a cool one what do you think just before your race run is there still a lot of nerves or are you completely thinking about lines and completely focused that's from Heiko Werner sometimes when you're at the start you have some weird thoughts don't you like, uh, I I had a lot of weird thoughts here, yeah, but <laughs> I don't want to tell yeah. everyone them. <laughs> yeah, like I'm thinking like some random shit that have nothing to do with biking, and like the closer the 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 start is, the more I try to get into a cooler. Like in my head, I'm trying to to visualize the track and to to do some turns, like you know, like if I was doing it actually in real life to get into the kind of the rhythm. And then breathe a little bit to calm down because I want to poo so hard at the start. So I try to think about something else too. So and that's uh, what you're thinking about, how bad you need to poo. I've had that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's weird, eh? You'll have yeah, one in the morning and you, just... you still need one just before. What? I have three in the morning, bro, on race days. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. The, wor- the worst is, uh, remember like a hot race like Peter Maritzburg and then there's only oh. uh, portable toilets? Yeah. And it's like and it's, 35 it's, degrees exactly. and you're in your kit and you have to have one. Exactly. That's the worst. And you just go into the thing and it smells like hell. That might be something I don't miss about racing. I've, I'm making like a list to keep myself sane after racing. Oh, and yeah. That's definitely True. one of them. I don't have True. to deal with that anymore. And sometimes it's, it's like I'm with my team and I see them on the side of the track and having a good time. And I envy them, envy them. 
I don't know. If yeah, envy, envy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. said it perfectly. Uh, envy them envy them. they are the races. They are hanging out with the friends and stuff like us, but they don't have to perform and to t- they have to be good at their work, but they don't have to win or they don't. And, yeah. and sometimes that's for sure something. Uh, when I will stop one day, I will not miss having to perform. And you know, like if you're not in a good day, you're not in a good day. You're gonna sell the track. You film a little bit, and then people are still happy. Yeah, it's a tough thing. Like you said, there's always like a pro and con. You get the high feel, like the crazy high feeling if you win or do well. And then also the super low. And then the guys at the race don't have that high, but they don't have the crazy low. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. What, um, this is a nice one. What's the biggest thing you've learned from your journey riding and racing from Chris Dune? Well, the biggest thing, there's a lot of good things that I've came up with riding and being in good team and with good people but maybe the the biggest thing i've learned is that we always have a choice most of the time actually sometimes no but most of the time you have a choice and you these choices are the most important things to do in life like it doesn't really matter what you do you just have to make some hard decisions can you hear me yeah yeah Sorry, sorry. No, and uh, yeah, and you have to make hard decisions and surround yourself with good people and trust them and go for it. But surrounding yourself with good people and making good decisions is what I've learned with uh, with writing, I think. Because I've also made bad decisions, so I know how costful it can be. Maybe this leads into the next question. I wanted to ask you, even though you're so young, it's tough to go, what would you ask your younger self? But someone wants to know advice to a young rider. And I wanted to ask you what advice you would give to your 20-year-old self. So it's basically the same question. And you might have just answered it, really. Well, I will say to always learn from the moment where you get like emotionally down or disappointed and stuff from people or from yourself and stuff i've never been so good at learning from my mistakes i always need more more fields to learn so try to learn a little bit quicker from my mistakes and and trust trust my gut like the people i i trust with my gut are always the ones who are there in the bad times and who are the ones standing up standing up for me and the ones i don't trust with my gut it's not for it's not for no reason that I don't trust with my gut. Like your gut is always like follow it, you know? Yeah. It's an incredible, powerful tool and, and tough to be able to manage. I think definitely mm-hmm. that's great advice. Um, Loic, you've been really sharing some nuggets with the listeners and with me, I'm learning a lot. Um, <laughs> oh, good. And, uh, just a quick one, if you make a mistake in your race run, which can happen and does happen, I mean, someone wants to know clearly a racer, how do you regain confidence quickly to finish your run as fast as possible? Why at Rollins? Well, you will make mistakes whatever run you're in it, go in. So it's part of the game. Like you, It's always, even like on a really good day, you can make a mistake and stuff. So you just have to really quick accept it. Like, okay, I made a mistake and not try to to gain the time back. It's part of your run. Now it's uh, it's done. And try to focus on what's coming next, but not trying to, like, not keep thinking about that mistake and try to compensate it with breaking later or anything. It's, it's done, pretty much. 
Yeah, that's it's a like, brilliant that's a brilliant piece of advice and you could almost use it for life, you know, something that's happened it's in the past. So not to yeah, yeah, yeah. learn when from done, it but you've got to do the next thing. And same for when you crash, when you have a crash in a race run, you just know it's fucked up and then you you finish your run if you don't have any pain, you can ride still pretty well. It doesn't have to, you don't have to gain the time back and stuff, but if you try to you crash and you try to go and gain the time back and you are oh, I can still win then you just do shit and mistakes and crash again yeah that's a tough one when you crash you're trying to make it all up but as you said that you you have a certain speed you've decided to do that run you can't really go much faster you know it's going against the plan and the preparation mm-hmm. Loic you've been so good with your time but I have to ask you um, yeah oh, it's a challenging time we don't know if worlds will 100% happen but I have to ask you, how do you feel about it if it does happen? What's your thought process on, on, on World Championship? You're coming off three in a row, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm crossing the finger for for any races, like big races to happen. But I will be a little bit, I'm a little bit skeptical about one race being hold, held, only being world champs. It would be kind of sad to have such a big uh, stake on just the only race of the year. So I'm accepting the fact that we might only race world champs, actually, because it's in Austria and Austrians are really good and the, the other one dealing with the COVID pretty well and stuff. But I'm a little bit like, ah, shit, it's the only race with a big jersey and I don't want to, I'm going to try to be ready, but I don't want to lose my jersey on, on that only race you know it would be a little bit sad but then it brights up the one shot concept of that race even more so i don't know maybe it might it might uh transcend me more <laughs> yeah it might suit you even more you, you like those big stages i mean yeah it's fascinating i i mean i had to ask even though we don't know if it happens and when i release this podcast it might have not happened or will happen so um yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird year, and it's I think it's tough for everybody. Like, you want to be fast, you want to train hard, but then at the same time, you don't really know if you're doing it for for a good reason or not. So, like for an actual season, so it's hard. Yeah, what a challenge, Loic! You've been so good with your time. What a you're just a true professional. So just keep doing keep doing Loic, as you yes. say. Um, it's been so fun. I know the fans Perfect. are going to get a lot from this, um, and yeah, I learned a lot. So thanks so much for your time. Perfect, man. Thanks uh, to you for having me. Another big thank you to Loic Bruni for coming on the show. He was so good to chat to. Really interesting guy. I think he's a true professional and good for the sport. It's nice to hear that, hey, even the guys at the top of the sport, they do have challenges, they struggle with things. So I hope you guys got something from that episode. So if you enjoyed it, why don't you share it with a friend, leave a review, a rating. Please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And thanks again for downloading this. Guys, until the next one, stay well.